Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Tuesday edition of the show. Welcome into the program. We're going to talk about Masters Week. It is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Usually, though, it's in the spring. And, well, now we get it in the fall. And that's 2020. Jay Delsing will be my guest. But I love Masters Week. I think it's one of the great sporting events. Whether you like golf or not, the Sunday afternoon on the back nine of watching the Masters, it's about as good as it gets. Now, I'm really curious, though, how it's going to play out this year. No fans and doing it in the fall. So we'll talk to Jay Delsing. Dan, have you ever been to the Masters before? I have not. And my bucket list stuff, I got a few things I need to do. One is a Masters, but we're in baseball season. The other one is the uh, Kentucky Derby. I want to go see the Kentucky Derby. Um, Another one would be a Super Bowl. I've never been to a Super Bowl. I will do that at some point. Probably a national championship game, but I've been to all-star games. I've been to World Series. Um, those are fun. Home run derbies. Home run derbies. I was there. I didn't. It was okay. I, I didn't really get a lot out of it. I just. It was the pomp and circumstance. I, I enjoyed that, but I really want to go to the Masters. I don't care what it costs. Top dollar. Have somebody take me around like Jay Delsing, who does that in a normal year. He'll take clients out there, and they'll get inside the ropes and they'll go to the practice tees and things of that nature so and the range i would love to do that i think Man. that would be fascinating to watch that kind of stuff oh that would be so much fun and uh yesterday we had mark schlebaugh on the program yeah. and i was talking to him on the phone before he comes on and he goes hey uh, i'm gonna pull over i'm 20 feet away from the augusta entrance uh how much did I want to say, hey, do you mind if you shoot me over a picture? I just want to see it. Just the driveway going <laughs> in. It's phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. Uh, some breaking news this morning with the NFL. Randy just told you this, but if you're just tuning in, the Steelers have placed four players on the reserve COVID-19 list this morning. Four players include Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Gerald Hawkins, offensive lineman, running back Jalen Samuels, and linebacker Vince Williams. All will be isolated for five days or not permitted into the Rooney Sports Complex. So um, that's big news with uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Ben Roethlisberger. Especially if they want to try to go uh, undefeated, Dan. I mean, they're at a pivotal part of the season. I know it's the Bengals. I know the Steelers probably are going to be heavy favorites again. But don't you doubt my guy Joe Burrow, Dan. Don't you don't doubt him. Not worried about him. I'm worried about Big Ben. That's my guy. He Mon- can take down the Steelers. Monday Night Football, the Jets. We know they're brutal. Bill Belichick and the Pats, eh, they squeak out a win. They're still alive. Yeah, it was a good win. I thought we... You know, made the plays we need to make at the end of the game. Um, certainly thinks we could do better, but you know, played good complimentary football at the end of the game. He plays on offense. He plays in a kicking game. He plays on defense. So players worked hard. They deserve to win. I'm happy for him. Folk on the way. And it is good. With zeros on the clock, Nick Folk. The field goal from 51 yards away. And that's how the Jets fall to 0-9. And the Patriots fight on for another day. It always feels good to get the win. It always feels good to watch the, the uh, field goal go through. Um, so it, it was it was big and um, had a lot of good memories here in my life and uh, just added one to the other sideline this time. At 0-9, the Jets need talent. And I mean all over the field, everywhere, probably at QB. Biggest fish out there, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, who hopes to return this weekend and address the media yesterday. My mindset is is, is the same, and I, I really don't want to talk about it anymore, honestly. I'm just trying to enjoy my last 
whatever, a few months here, if that's what it's going to be. So whatever I decide to do, you guys will, you guys will know in, in January or February. So just, um, I'm just trying to enjoy it. And obviously I'm not trying to make a stir. I don't want any more people talking about me than they already are. So, um, my thing is I'm just never going to corner myself to where I have to do something just because of something I said in the past. So I'm leaving the door open for all my options. Um, and that's really that's really all I'm gonna say about it. But um, just trying to enjoy my, my time here, however much I have, you know. So you don't want to just say something bad about the Jets and, and let that get out there, then, right? No, man. I'm not. I'm you know <laughs> that comment was really more so just to leave the door open. I mean, people want me to say no matter what, for sure, I'm I'm leaving school, and that's just not something I'm gonna I'm gonna say. And that's um, like and that's that's as simple as it is. So I'm never gonna corner myself like that. And that's like that's what people want to hear. At the end of the day, I want to leave myself opportunities and, you know, take everything in and make a decision. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to say that, you know, for sure I'm staying or for sure I'm leaving. So that's all it was. And it turns out that caused more of a commotion than if I would have said me, wouldn't have said anything. So who knows? Now, normally I'd say if I'm representing Lawrence, take the money and run. You're going to be the first pick. You're going to be in the most marketable city in the world, potentially in sports with the New York media that is there. Um, he's going to get a huge endorsement contract on various platforms. So you're talking about millions of dollars that he's saying, I don't want to go play for the Jets, so I'm going to go back to Clemson. I don't begrudge anybody for their decisions. They, Whatever they do, that's their choice. You want to go back into school? Fine. You want to come out? That's fine, too. That's up to you. And everybody's got a different background. Some people have no money. Their families have no money, and you got to go do it. you got to do what's right for your family. But in this case, I would say you got to go back. I mean, you got to you got to go to the pros, man. I mean, this is what you built up for. I, again, yeah, you're going to Clemson to get your degree, right? So the next thing is you're going to the NFL. That's what you're doing. And if they're going to make you the number one pick, go, go. I, I say you wait here. If it's between this and the Jets, what if man, you blow out your knee. I understand that he will still get drafted. Tua hurt his hip. He was still a top five pick. Did you just see what happened with Dak Prescott in Dallas? Yes. If you're in the NFL and Dak Prescott situation, I would have said, hey, take the money, sign it. I say for Trevor, I'm still confident because of, because of how young he is. If he goes back to Clemson, has a chance to play for Cares a different how young team. He is. His body could get mangled in the next play this weekend. I, I understand, but I, I'm playing the odds here. Playing the odds. But what are the odds? I mean, how much more money are you going to get because you're not going to play for the Jets? I just think that you have a better chance to have a better career. And I think that in the long term, you could make more money because your second deal is going to be so much more. What about this idea? I'll be the guy that turns this whole thing around. I want that responsibility. He could have that. So do it. So many quarterbacks have had that same thought process and it didn't work, though. One of the biggest games in college football this weekend, Alabama, LSU, 13 consecutive years. This is an incredible run. Nick Samad has had his team at number one, and they'll start at number one this weekend. Well, I I do think that you made a great statement there. It means nothing at all right now. And I, I think especially in this year, because it's very, very difficult, even at this point in the season, Uh, to know who has really established them as the most dangerous teams in the country on a consistent basis. You know, we have conferences that have played one game, conferences that have played three games, you know, conferences that have played more games than we've played. Uh, So I think it's very, very difficult um, to be able to determine that. 
Uh, so I think it's even more meaningless this year than ever before. Ed Orgeron and the Tigers may not play because of a COVID-19 outbreak. Some of you may have heard we're dealing with COVID and contact tracing. Can't go into detail. It's a very fluid situation. I can tell you that we do have players that have uh, got COVID and we do have some players that are quarantined. I can't tell you their numbers. I'm going to let the doctors take care of all that. We focus on playing Alabama on Saturday night. It'll be a great challenge for us. Uh, Great team, great offense, Uh, offensive line, Nigeria Harris, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones doing a tremendous job. Steve Sarkeesian doing a great job as being the offensive coordinator, a very, very explosive offense. It'll be a big challenge, but we're ready, man. This is LSU, Alabama. A game that will not be played in the SEC, Auburn, Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach. Well, the you know the biggest thing take care of their academics and and uh, and uh, be safe. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But would be uh, later in the week we should be able to you know resume practice. Well, you know, but you have to quarantine the guys that are positive. So and then of course the contact tracers add up too. That's I think that's one of the biggest hits. You know, I mean, we got several guys that aren't even positive that you know have to sit at home and play video games because uh, you know they were next to somebody. In a lot of cases, they never get it, but that's kind of what we're operating under. So um, that's the way it is. What a beauty, Mike Leach, head coach in Mississippi State. You ever seen the uh, <laughs> the? Uh, answer he gave when one of the reporters was getting married and they talked about what you're gonna have to do to plan to get married oh what happened oh it's the best you got to find it maybe we'll find it during the break it, it's older now but he talks about well she's gonna want the sponge cake and you're gonna say i want chocolate sauce and you're gonna and didn't you just say okay I, it's just hilarious and anytime i can play ed orgeron sound i will because i think his voice is maybe the best in sports oh tigers that was horrible <laughs> Uh, makes me laugh. So Alabama, LSU will find out more probably within the next couple of hours whether or not they're going to play. But Alabama is number one. And again, Mizzou playing host to Georgia this weekend. College basketball news. Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo, he tests positive for COVID-19. I think it just says that sometimes, you know, where I got it, I, I have no clue. You know, maybe uh, I touched something. Maybe I did something else. I just can't figure it out. But Uh, Maybe I never will be able to, so it really doesn't matter. But I would say to you, don't let up for a second, especially those of you that have kids or families or even for yourself. You just got to stick to the protocol and hope for the best. And uh, when it doesn't work out like it didn't for me, I'm going to continue to to do what I got to do and continue to be an advocate just like I've been. Michigan State is in the top 25. Slew getting votes for the top 25 released uh, about an hour ago. Their trio of Jordan Goodwin, Hassan French, Javante Perkins were named to the A-10 preseason all-conference team. Also, the Billikens were picked to finish second in the A-10 race. And the preseason all-conference teams in the projected order of finish were voted upon by the 14 head coaches. So we'll see. Um, They're going to have a really good team. French, Goodwin, Perkins, leadership coming back, plus they're getting... Uh, Gibson Jemerson back off an injury. You have Yuri Collins, who is the leading assist man of all freshmen last year in Division One. It's going to be a fun team to watch. Let's just hope we see them play, which leads me to this. Still waiting on a finalized schedule for SLU basketball and really around the country. We had A.D. Chris May on last week, and we asked him, where does that SLU schedule stand? <laughs> well, Danny, I would say it's fluid. 
Okay. Um, it, we're going to have some high-end games in the non-conference that we're going to go play. We're going to get some regional home games, hopefully in December. Um, we're hoping to deliver a bunch of games on Fox Sports Midwest that aren't picked up through the, uh, the Atlantic 10 packages. Um, we're, we're a couple games away from being totally done, but uh, it, it again, it's an evolving process that seems to change somewhere between once and twice a day yeah it's amazing what they're trying to do it, it also makes you think about how they get these schedules year two three sometimes four five years out and all of a sudden they're changing this thing on the fly which is something they may have to do in college basketball this year it does beg the question as we're seeing the cases rise of COVID 19 I, I i wonder if it wouldn't benefit college basketball to start their season in January, just just buy more time, February maybe, and condense it and make sure that you get the NCAA tournament in. You know, we got good news on a vaccine. Fingers crossed, we hope. Uh, we can hopefully get some of those numbers down. Maybe you can mitigate some of the spread as you go throughout a season. I don't know those answers. Nobody does. But is it worth pushing the season back and buying yourself time with NCAA basketball? But we'll have to wait and see. So baseball news. This is great. St. Louis native uh, Devin Williams, second round pick. He had Tommy John surgery, struggled as a starter. Well, he goes out and wins the rookie of the year. No starts, not a save this year. And yet he is that dominant to win the rookie of the year. Payoff pitch. Change up, got him, hanging over. It has been the order here for the Brewers tonight. 2 2 coming. Got him. He strikes out the side. A change up gets Jose Ozuna. 0 2 pitch. Got Stewart. But that change up got him, and the inning is over. Got him swinging. The change up does it again for Devin Williams. Biggest thing is that it was all worth it. Everyone's got their own obstacles that they have to get over. But, um, you know, in the end, when, when you put in that work and uh, I don't know, I can't put it into words. It doesn't feel real right now, to be honest. <laughs> Grew up a Cardinals fan. Grew up idolizing Jim Edmonds, Albert Pujols, facing now Yadier Molina. Went to World Series games, a parade, and now he is the National League Rookie of the Year. I played a lot of those sound bites because of the changeup. This is what won him the award. It's really a screwball what he's throwing. But opponents were two for 62 this year against his changeup. And it begs the question, he's not a closer. But do you, do you if you have dominant pitchers like this and the game is on the line in the seventh, and I've been saying this a lot, do you bring in your closer in the seventh? Essentially, he's your closer. Now they have Josh Hader as well. Hader had a couple of bumps in the road. But when you have a game that can be won potentially in the seventh, do you go there when the heart of the lineup is coming up with your best, or do you wait till the ninth, which has been typically what teams have do uh, have done? I don't do it that way. If I I got a closer, game's on the line, I bring him in right now. Seventh inning, seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning. Obviously, is a closing situation, but you got to look at when the game's on the line. He's the best, and two for sixty-two against that changeup. The NBA and the Players Association reached an agreement in principle on the start of their season. And it looks like we're going to have basketball right before Christmas. And this is how it's all laid out by Tim Bontep of ESPN. Ever since the NBA season ended in the bubble in early October, two sides have really been sitting down and trying to hammer this thing out. And, you know, unlike, say, in baseball, where there has been a lot of animosity between the players and, and the league in recent years, and particularly between the commissioner, Rob Manfred, and the players, 
the working relationship between the players and the league is as good as it's ever been. And both sides were kind of continually working towards trying to get this thing done. And as we see today, they were able to come to an agreement that, you know, really covers all the bases that they need to and has us you know, getting back on the court here in about five weeks. So there's a few basic things that fans are going to want to know about. So for starters, uh, the salary cap and luxury tax numbers are going to be the same as this season. The draft, obviously, is next Wednesday. Free agency then starts Friday. Players can sign contracts with teams officially uh, at noon on Sunday, the 22nd. So it's going to be a very busy transaction week. The start of training camp is December 1st, which is only another 10 days later. And then the season starts on December 22nd, three weeks after that. So from the draft to the start of the season, you're talking about a five-week window when everything is going to happen. So there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. It's going to be pretty crazy. And for fans that, you know, really get into the, you know, kind of the hot stove off-season type stuff, I mean, this is going to be all of it happening as fast as humanly possible and it's you know certainly going to lead to some pretty interesting and, and exciting stuff going on all right so we got basketball nba coming back now next on the docket what about the national hockey league the national hockey league board of governors could get back and get a look at what next season will look like as early as two days from now thursday the expectation is that gary bettman and Bill Daly will hold a conference call with the governors this week to discuss the concepts and options they're looking at to get next season underway. Now, normally, conference calls are held on a bi-weekly basis, Monday afternoon, so this one is out of the ordinary, but nobody is sure if the league will have anything to announce until a firm plan is in place for next season. So, those are some of the topics and things that are happening in the world of sports. Want to get your thoughts as well. You can always text us 65780. 65780. Get to some of those uh, later in the show. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. This is Scoops with Danny Mac, and we have the chance to visit with Jay Delsing as we get ready for what should be a memorable week of golf because the Masters is being played in November. Jay Delsing, you hear his show on 101, one of the top professional golfers ever to come out of St. Louis. And Jay, uh, welcome into the program. Uh, it's always good to see you. Let's talk a little bit about the Masters in November. What do you think this is going to be like? Well, first of all, Danny, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, Masters in Turkey. You know, it's just a, <laughs> it's a great time of year, um, which is actually pretty apropos for 2020. You know, we've all been through a lot. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of reading and, and trying to figure out what the golf course is going to be like, Danny, because the difference between an April Masters and a November Masters can be pretty significant weather-wise. Um, what I'm finding out is that it doesn't look like the weather is going to be a huge factor. We are scheduled to get some rain. And so, and why I'm asking, talking about the weather, folks, is I want to know how the golf course is going to play. Is it going to be playing fast? Is uh, you know, are, are are you going to see twenty and thirty yards amount of roll down those fairways in Augusta? Are you going to see balls hitting and stopping? And so, um, that's going to make a big difference. But Danny, the biggest thing is the fact that there's Bermuda grass in Augusta now, and typically in April, it's all overseeded with rye, and that's going to make chipping and pitching, which is always difficult around the greens at Augusta, 
really, really tricky. So you don't think there's going to be much role potentially with some of these guys that, that can knock it out of the park and that's going to really change the course as you as you look at playing in the fall as opposed to what we see in the spring normally? Yeah, that's what I was initially interested in seeing. So Bryson DeChambeau, as you know, and everybody in the whole world knows, has now flown a golf ball over 400 yards, kind of like the way you hit your driver, Dan. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he, right. He, um, But he flew one over 400 yards. And so Jack Nicholas was on – the other day talking about the potential for him, what holes he could actually drive. And number one is 463 yards, Danny, up the hill. But what's interesting is that once you crest the hill, it's pretty level. And so in order for him to fly a ball as far as he can, he very may well be able to drive the first green at Augusta. Incredible. It's, it's, if you've ever been there, you just can't even fathom it. And, um, what Bryson DeChambeau is doing, first of all, there was no guarantees that this was going to work. He, he morphed his body into kind of this Hulk, gained almost 40 pounds, maximizing the Tiger Woods effect that we've seen take place standing over the last, what, 20-some-odd years. And now he's really taken it to an incredible level. And prior to the open at Wingfoot, I would have said, no way. But what he did with all the rough and the difficulty at Wingfoot and to win that thing by six strokes, it's just ridiculous. In, in terms of Tiger Woods trying to defend this championship, how is he playing in your opinion, and, and does he have a shot? <clears throat> Every single time, Danny. I, t- I, I you know, take Tiger out of the equation. He comes back to you know prove to me what a tremendous once-in-a-lifetime athlete he is. So never take him out of the equation. He's not playing very well at all. He went out to Sherwood uh, and played in the Zozo Championship out in Southern Cal, a, a golf course he's won at five times, and his game just really didn't show up. Uh, I know he's been trying to pinpoint and crescendo for the, for the Masters, and um, watching him win, I was down there last year, and watching him win, it was just absolutely spectacular. Do I want him to win? Yes. Do I think he's going to win? No, I don't think he's going to win. So who do you like going into this? I guess, I you know, I, I mean, there's so many different guys you could look at because the course is going to be different. Right. I can't wait to wait to watch the way that Bryson DeChambeau plays this golf course. I mean, I know how much you love the game and we all love watching Augusta. So everyone almost, even though they've never played Augusta, feels like they know the holes, you know, from 10, especially the back nine, 10 all the way to 18. We're going to watch an entirely different formula this year. You know, he, he's going to go around and hit – he had driver nine iron into the par 5 15th in his first practice round. Right. And so – but, Danny, as we both know, you're not going to get out of Augusta with a green jacket if you're not putting well. And so Dustin Johnson, I, I really think it would like to see Dustin Johnson be in the equation. I'd feel better about him if he hit his iron shots a little higher. He has a little lower ball flight there that doesn't necessarily suit – Augusta, his weakness, if Dustin has a weakness for being world number one, is he's not necessarily great around the greens with some of the really, really tight pitches and chips that you have to, to work on. But I know that he's he's been – his game has been good. I mean, you saw the way he dismantled the FedEx Cup. And so those are the two guys that are – and th- those are no surprises. I mean, DeChambeau and, and uh, Dustin Johnson are, are household names. I think John Rahm's going to be in the picture. I mean, he is world number two. You just don't hear that much about this guy. 
he's young, he's powerful, he's he's fiery in that whole Spanish tradition. And um, yeah, I mean, he's not he's not going to be afraid. That's for sure. No. What are the traditions like? If this was a normal week, what would the traditions be like in the spring that are still going to take place in, in the fall that makes this the unique event that it is? Yeah. So, Danny, one of the things, just uh, just Magnolia Drive, just Magnolia Drive and, and having uh, this champ, you you playing in this championship, it's a it's a once in a lifetime experience. It is just remarkable. It's the most exclusive golf course in the world. It's the, probably the most coveted championship in the world to win. And um, um, so with that comes the champions dinners and all of the access to the club and, and to the, the locker rooms and things like that. None of that's going to change. And the fact that it's going to be a worldwide golf spectacle, that's not going to change either. One of the things that I, I would miss if say this were my second or third tournament or multiple tournaments is they're not going to play the par three championship the right. par three tournament on, on Wednesday. And it's just, um, you know, that that's more of a, almost like an exhibition, Danny, I would call it where, you know, Jack Nicholas, Gary player, a lot of the older players would come around and, and they have their sons and grandsons out there and daughters, you know, caddying for them and experiencing that. So they, they did away with that. Um, but they're also going to host a, a college game day uh, on Saturday morning at uh, Augusta, which is, if you'd have told me Augusta National was right. going to agree to that ever in this our lifetime, Danny, I'd be like, you got to be, you know, whatever you're smoking, you know, you better quit it because there's no <laughs> way. But I, but I really think Augusta is trying to open up a little bit and give people a glimpse in. And uh, I just can't, I just can't wait for this, this tournament. You know, you played a, a number of years on tour. You grew up around the game. You love the game. Why is this tournament so special as, you know, for just the, the casual sports fan, they hear, okay, it's the master's week. Now I love golf. I, I, this is, I mean, this is right up my alley. So, but for the casual fan, they hear that and they go, okay, great. You know, well, why is that different than the open and, you know, the PGA championship and the British and all that? Why is the masters the way that it is? What do you think? Boy, you know, Danny, I think the thing that separates it from everybody else is the golf course. And here's my reasoning behind that. I would have loved to won any major. Uh, I would have loved to have been able to tell you, hey, Danny, I'm our national open champion. To win the U.S. Open as a U.S. citizen, I mean, it's what I dreamed of. But the Masters is different, Danny. It The venue never changes. So the mystique, there's just added mystique that comes around this event. And it's one of the more... Uh, mind-numbing things that an athlete has to go through because as I go there and I watch the players prep for the championship, they know where all the hole locations are going to be, Danny. They know where they're going to likely be putting from. They know where they'll be chipping from and where they'll be trying to, you know, direct their ball around the golf course. And they just can't do it. Yeah. And, you know, some years they do it better than others. But And I think as part of the game, Danny, that makes us love it so much, it's kind of the – because it's unconquerable. You know, it's always out there. And you're like, well, maybe when I had Bill DeWitt on the show earlier this spring, he said, you know what I love the most about golf? It's so unpredictable. When I go to the golf course, I'm seriously thinking today might be my best day ever. And, you know, Danny, I kind of still think that way when I when I pull up to, to a golf course. No doubt. You were there last year when Tiger won it. Can you describe 
what that was like. You've, you've been around Tiger. You've competed against him. You've watched him. You've broadcast his tournaments. That one, though, was exceptional. What, what was that moment like when you saw him drop that putt and win on 18? Got my ass kicked by him, Danny, uh, <laughs> repeatedly. Uh, I was um, so getting, getting to watch the Tiger effect in person as an outside observer. You know, Danny, when you're competing, you're inside the ropes, you're not paying attention to what's going on you know, in the crowd and what the, you feel the energy, but you don't really um, appreciate it when, you know, you're not trying to concentrate and play yourself. And to watch people line up 15, 18, 20, 25 rows deep, just to watch Tiger cross a fairway and just to watch Tiger walk and do his thing um, was just remarkable. And the, you know, Tiger's been through a hell of a lot. There's plenty of people out there that don't like him. And there's plenty of people out there that like that would want to see him fail. But one of the things that I think is so great about our country is that people forgive and then people root for that comeback story. And whether you want to say it or not, because I know all the money he has, I know all the championships, it was a comeback story that, you know, was just remarkable. And to watch what he did, to watch him go through, um, what he had been through in the prior almost 10 years and then to get back to the pinnacle and to get back to win. And also, Danny, I got to tell you this, the way that it was received from our peers was awesome. You know, Tiger's 43 years old. There's kids out there that there's hardly any of these kids are afraid of him, Danny. When we were playing against them, we were convinced that Tiger had some sort of magical potion or something that we didn't have, you know, and these kids are like, no, I grew up watching him, and I can't wait to beat him. And um, and the way that they turned out and, and the way that they showed up and the way that they supported him, the respect they showed him was awesome. Finally, uh, okay, we talked about it earlier. So you're looking at Rom, you're looking at uh, maybe Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau. You got to pick one guy. Who are you going with and why? Man, uh, okay, so uh, my sentimental picks are Tiger and DeChambeau. I'm going to pick John Rom. I don't know why. I just got this feeling. You know, Augusta typically suits Danny for a right-handed golfer, a guy that can move the ball from right to left, and that is not Rom's strong suit. I just have a feeling that that um, Rom's going to win this championship, and that's going to be this year. I will say this for all of our folks. You know, we got some of our our, our friends on 101 ESPN that like to throw a nickel or two at this stuff, folks. If you're going to wager. And a typical Masters year in 2020 is anything but typical. But in a typical Masters year, 80% of the time, the winner of this championship comes from the top 16 in the world golf ranking. Interesting. Of course we wouldn't wager on this, though. We, we don't do those kind of things. You, Not you and I. I, mean, I, I might know somebody that do, or a friend might call me or something, you know? Uh, you know, golfers don't do that. You know that, no. Jay. There's hey. no gambling at Bushwood. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, great to see you, my man. Thanks for doing this. Oh, my gosh, Danny, anytime. Jay Delsing, you can hear his show every Sunday on 101 ESPN. Golf expert, one of the great guys to come out of St. Louis, not just in golf, but in sports. And we thank Jay Delsing very, very much. This is Scoops with Danny Mac. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 
Blues have tweeted out about seven minutes ago some sad news. We are stunned and heartbroken to learn about Rick Schwartz's sudden passing yesterday. Our dad's trips will never be the same. Our sincerest uh, condolences go out to Jaden, Rylan, and Carol at uh, and the entire Schwartz family at this time. Very sad news there. So our thoughts and prayers with their family. Quick text line questions, 314, Danny Mac, you on slew games this year. My understanding, yes, when we have those games, don't know. Scott Highmark would be my partner this year. We've been contacted about doing those, but we're still waiting to find out about the schedule because, well, it changes about every hour. Uh, Late November would be probably the time that we'd start a non-conference schedule. Um, And as far as as fans in the stands, man, I I just don't know if we're going to get those at slew games with what we're having with the rising numbers. Um, maybe tough to do. Apparently, Duke has come out and said that they will not have students or anybody at Cameron Indoor for men's or women's games. Uh, Danny Mack from the 573. Love the interview with Jay. Uh, who you got this weekend? Brooks Kepka. I'm going Brooks Kepka. I'm not going Rom. I'm going Kepka. I love Kepka. Uh, most top six finishes in the majors since 2017. He's got eight. So I'm going Kepka. Number two would be Dustin Johnson. I'm staying away from everybody else. Uh, got a lot of talk about the Trevor Lawrence comments that we had earlier. And most people, Scotty, are in agreement with me. Oh, yes. They're saying, hey, that's fine. Be happy. I respect that. That's one way to look at it. But take the money. Go get the money. And if you go back in the draft, you're going to be on a bad team anyway next year. Because they're picking first. Yeah, well, because you could end up being with a worse situation. I, I think the biggest thing. Can you get thing, any worse than 0-9? Well, I, you could, honestly. <laughs> you could. You could be 0-16. No, but seriously, if, if the Jets fire Adam Gase, as long as he's not the head coach next year, yeah. if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I go to the Jets, okay? Because at least you have a chance. With Adam Gase, you know what you're going to get next year, and it's not going to be good. Okay. I see both points, but I'm taking the money and running. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. We've got uh, Ribs, BK, Alex. They're coming up next on 101 ESPN. I mentioned earlier, Alex, that the NBA, December 22nd, looks like they're going to fire it all up. Follow the money. It's a lot of it. It's like billion dollars if they <laughs> waited for local TV deals. So right. they went to the players and said, you know, they split the pie. You know, there's a billion dollars. Okay, we're back. Um, so what does that mean then for the NHL? And does the does the NHL follow suit? And are we comparing apples to apples or apples to oranges in that kind of situ- uh, scenario and situation? I think if you're the NHL, you have to follow suit, Dan. I mean, let's be honest here. The NBA makes a lot more money in other areas than what the NHL does when it comes to games being played. And of course, fans in the stands mean a lot more to the NHL, which is why I think you're seeing this hold off. I was actually just reading an article on The Athletic that a bunch of the staff writers put together. Bill Daly's still shooting for January 1st, which I think they're going to say no matter or what I think it's more likely you're going to see a 60 to 70 game season because they don't want to try and cram all of these together the big thing right now is one trying to find out if there's going to be fans in the stand so that they know what it's going to look like and two are they going to have to do hub cities the hub cities are going to be a big one here and it was interesting because a lot of the players did polls for this article on the athletic and about 72% of the players said that they'd be willing to do a hub city for half of the season. So that's at least progress because from what we heard after the Edmonton and Toronto bubble, didn't seem like anybody was going to be willing to do that. The other factor, which I, why I believe the NHL is going to follow in the NBA's path here, Dan, and get back as soon as possible 
is because of the escrow that was carried over. If we remember correctly, the players had to agree to, because the bubble play, the 10% of their escrow was put in to next season. So with or without playing games, the owners have to pay 72% of the salary. Mm. So, so with or without, they get 72%. With or without, so there's, there's an urgency them. to get this yeah. going. So yeah. you're basically better off to play as many games as possible without having to pay these guys. So I, I think the NHL is just trying to figure out what the best case scenario is right now for their season hub city no hub city fans when there's going to be fans but i think we're still looking at january february to kind of follow suit with the nba uh let's find out what's coming up on your show what do you guys have going we got the chief Craig Berube coming on today, one thirty. We're going to be chatting with the Blues head coach, so uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be fun. And Jeremy Rutherford joining at eleven thirty. So we got Blues talk, Cardinals talk, little football action too. Good stuff. Good to see you back. That's Alex Scotty. Great job. We'll talk to you tomorrow at ten on one hundred one ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on one hundred one ESPN.